Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You ask me if I'm happy now, that's good as any joke I've heard. It seems since I seen you last, I done forgot the meaning of the word. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show on this Sunday morning. All right, it is 5.01 here in the Bayou City. Let's run down Port O'Connor Way now. Let's check in with our good friend, Captain Lynn Smith. Good morning, Lynn. What's up, buddy? Oh, man. Not much. Not much, man. Just uh, getting ready to go back down south and uh, load the load the truck here in a few minutes and head south again. Do some and, uh, dough eradication? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are. Matter of fact. How many of y'all got we, to shoot? Uh, I think we got about 20 more to go. Oh, well, y'all are staying on top of it then. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We uh, we had to we had to take out about, oh, 60 or 70. And uh, so we, we've done pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it gets to the point to where, uh, those those are kind of hiding, you know. They're hiding from the bucks, really. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> this this Said, last leave week, leave me alone. Uh, I've had enough. <laughs> oh man, this last week they were they were chasing them back and forth, back and forth across the Senderos. You know, it was it was crazy. Yeah, really they got to be getting weary. Oh, they are. They are. We had. Uh, I told you we had those Cajuns from North. Right, how did that Cajun trip go, man? I bet that was oh. a lot of fun. Those guys oh, are it characters. Was. These guys come down every year, and, and uh, we have a lot of fun with them. I've hunted this one guy for years, years and years, and uh, gosh, I was afraid he wasn't going to get a deer. Uh, you know, we we were going to let him kill one one buck, one eight point, and uh, anyway, they uh, he he passed up a lot of deer. I'd have I'd have shot, you know, as a as a cull, you know. And, right. uh, I kept saying, man, don't you want to shoot that deer? Come on, shoot that one. And, uh, he'd say, no, no. Yeah. He was holding off, holding off. And the last day, the last, uh, afternoon, uh, I mean, I think we had 15 minutes left to daylight. And, um, uh, this one buck that we knew was in this one area showed up and, uh, but he was coming up this pipeline and, uh, I said, oh, my goodness, there he is, you know. And uh, he came up the pipeline, and uh, there was actually an intersection of two pipelines crossed. And uh, the guy, in the process of getting his gun out the window of this blind, he spooked that deer. Uh-oh. And that deer deer ran in the brush between the two pipelines. And I said, go ahead and get your gun out that window because he's going to come out on that other pipeline. He said, you think so? I said, I know so. He's going to come out over there. And when he does, he's going to stop and look back at us. And when he does, you pop him. And that boy held his gun out that window for a good 10 minutes, I know. And it was getting darker and darker, you know. And a, and a deer came out, and I said, that's not him. That's a buck, but that's not him. That's a, that's a different one. Uh, I let him go. So this other buck went on, and we sat there and waited and waited. And all of a sudden, he came out. And sure enough, he came out and he stopped and looked back at us. I said, shoot him, take him. <laughs> Boy, he shot him. And uh, that was that picture of that buck I sent you, that eight point. And, yeah. Uh, it was a good deer. You know, it was 
probably a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old, uh, eight-point, you know, which is management deer. We just tried to take right. off that plate. But uh, anyway, he was happy. And in the past, he's killed some really good deer for me. And uh, he's taken some really good good deer. So uh, he was he was happy. So that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, boy, I mean, we didn't have five minutes of daylight left, I'll guarantee you. And he he made a good shot on that deer. It was probably at least two hundred yards or more, and uh, he dropped him. I mean, that deer didn't take two steps. You know, he hammered him perfect. So made a good shot. But uh, but it was a good week. Um, those old boys, uh, you know, every one of them got their deer, and um, and and a couple of does. He didn't take he didn't take a doe. He just waited waited. He just wanted a buck. So all he wanted one deer. Yeah. But he finally got a deer, so he was happy. But we saw we saw a lot of good bucks, and I saw uh, the best buck I think I've seen on that ranch in all these years. I really, really? did. Oh, he he just took my breath away. He um, he was the biggest muscled up deer. I mean, majestic. You know, <clears throat> you always see that one deer that's just majestic. And I said, oh, my gosh. I mean, he came up a just a real small, narrow uh, gully, and he was coming up toward us right at dark, and he just stood there. He was the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. He, I, he weighed well over 250, I guarantee you. My gosh. Just, oh, he was beautiful. Just absolutely gorgeous. He came up that gully and stood there probably 150 yards from us and just stopped and stared uh, up toward us, toward that blind. But, I mean, it was a beautiful sight to see. And then he just eased off in the brush. But, man, oh, man, that's 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 what keeps you coming, you know, keeps you coming back. Yeah, it does. Man, I oh, tell you. Boy, he, he was rutting and big old neck was swollen up. Oh, man, he was beautiful deer. <laughs> Man, he was pretty. Big old chocolate horns, you know, and big bases on him. Man, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Makes my neck swell just think about it, you know. But, uh, God, it was, I, that had to be the prettiest deer I've seen on that place in all these years. And I don't think anybody's seen him before. You That's know, when the rut kicks those, in. How those big deer like that just stay stay out of the picture, stay off trail cameras, everything. There's something else, oh, man. Yeah. It is. It you is. know, like that six I killed. Nobody had ever seen that or heard about it or no trail picks, nothing. Just boom, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And the rut wasn't even on. He just, he was living there. He just didn't ever, you yep. know, show himself. Yeah, it's amazing. Probably a nocturnal deer. Yeah. And, uh, it, like you say, it's amazing. They don't, uh, they don't come out and, and uh, and go where the other deer are. And you would think they'd at least a trail camera pick him up, you know, somewhere. But man, he was he was beautiful. Good grief! I'll have I'll have the dreams about him. I'll guarantee you. Well, yeah, I'm dreaming about that. Kind of like those trout, like those big trout you had on in your life that haunt you. You have dreams. Oh yeah, about, you know, you'll never forget it. Never nope. forget them. No, I can still see the biggest one I ever lost, and and. Uh, I'll never forget that one. Man, oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I was coming back from the ranch, and I was going through a sea drift. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, that, that was Wednesday. And I still had a lot of ice in the ditches and, and in right. the fields, flooded fields. And I went, oh, this isn't good at all. No. <laughs> I did not like this. <laughs> I started calling people, boy. I said, oh, boy, this isn't good. Yeah. Not good at all. Yeah. I heard Pringle Lake got just totally smoked, you know. Well, yeah, yep. I'm sure. Yeah, I ran into Gary and Shelly Gray yesterday and talked to them. And, yep, we don't need this. We don't need a two two years in a row. And, you know, it's just sad, sad to say. I don't know. 
Yeah, Gary said it was pretty ugly. The, fi- the fish gods are mad at us. Or actually, yep. actually, they're mad at their own fish. <laughs> yep, they are. They are. But um, anyway, not much we can do about that, you know. We just got to deal with it. No, nah, it's what we've been going through all our lives and for centuries on this planet. You know, it's just Mother Nature's way of cleaning the herd, I guess. I don't know. It's, uh, I guess. Last year it was crazy. I went back to I went back to areas that, you know, I'd fished for years and years and waited, uh, you know, drop-offs and, and um, good incoming tides and, and just, you know, always smoked them on these one spot, you know. And um, and then you'd, you'd wade these areas and not catch a fish. You know, you go, what in the world's happening? You know? <laughs> it was funny. Gary, Gary told me yesterday, he said some guy called him the uh, night before last and said, uh, oh, well, what are you doing tomorrow, man? You booked? He went, uh, what for? What are you coming down here for? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, man, you know, don't waste your time right now. But uh, it's uh, pretty slow. It'll be slow for a while till things start picking up. Yeah. But you know the bait took it took it on the chin. There's a lot of dead mullet and uh, hardheads. Hardheads took it on the chin too. Yeah, they don't take the cold very good. No, they they're don't. pretty sensitive, like trout are. You know, one year I, when we had a hard freeze, I. I ran out and I, was, I ran by Farwell Island back in the big pocket and the pelicans were just hammering it, man. I mean, they were diving, they were sitting on the water, they were, they were just going nuts. And I thought, oh boy, there's a big school of trout right here, you know. And I, I wheeled around and, and got upwind of them and jumped out of the boat. And I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going to just hammer some fish here. And I started wading into them. I could see fish on the surface kind of uh, swimming and, and boiling the water or whatever. And I got over there and, uh, it was gaff top that was stunned. And his gaff top were up on top of the water, just kind of swirling around. Mm-hmm. And that water was so cold that they were just, just, I don't know. They were just kind of swimming on top and, and, and swirling around and all that. And, uh, was the sun out? Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to it get was. as get to the close to the warmth yeah. as they could, you know. Yes, that's right, exactly. And they were just right on top of this water, and they were just all around me. Pretty good sized gap top. Yeah, after a a freeze event, it's never good to see pelicans. That's no. usually not a no. good sign. You got problems. Yep, that's right. Those fish are trying to warm up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly. And it wasn't it wasn't a mud bottom. You know that's the deal, right? It was kind of a sandy, sandy bottom. So they—it's amazing those they calf tops still in the bay for these freeze events. Hardheads too. You know, I thought they just I know it. went on out in the Gulf, man. I guess you know everything was running Purple. late this year. You know, as far as yeah. these fish movements and and patterns and everything, everything was running about a month behind. Yeah. Well, you know, one year I guess it was in uh, I think it was in '83 when we had the real hard freeze. Right. And uh, I ran out uh, with my airboat, and I ran over South Pass. And uh, I ran through South Pass Lake, and when I came out of South Pass Lake, there were a lot of dead fish. And uh, I I shut down. I had two friends with me, and I shut down and turned around. And and one of them said, what are you doing? I said, there's a dead fish there. I've got to to go back and look at it. If that's what I think it is, I, I said, I can't believe this. And I turned around and went back. It's about a four-foot tarpon. Yeah. And, I mean, that tarpon stayed in the bay during those cold conditions. Isn't that something? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't These believe fish it. aren't as smart as we think they are, you know? They're... I guess not. I guess not. But, uh, man, oh, man. You know, it's just it's amazing. I couldn't believe that tarpon was in the bay. I know. That's, you never you see some strange things. You see fish that you, uh, uh, you know, if you didn't have an event like that, you wouldn't even think there'd be something like that in the bay that time of year, you know? I know. I know. Yeah. The one thing you never see is sharks. You know, you'll see Yeah. You'll see dolphins. They'll, they'll take it on the chin. It gets too cold. But uh, sharks, man, they, 
they get on out of Dodge, buddy. When oh, water starts do. coming. That water temperature that starts dropping. They they leave town. Oh yeah. yeah Always that doesn't have. hurt my feelings. <laughs> That no, hurt my <laughs> wish they'd stay out of town. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, boy, they uh, they have that big shark tournament here every year, you know, and and uh, out out there at the hump, you know, we always you know fish around the hump and get jump out of the mm-hmm. boat and wade the hump and catch trout, and, and uh, there was some guys waded out there and saw a big old shark and and uh, they told some buddies about it and uh, they went out there and they chummed him up and. Uh, they, they caught him during that shark tournament, and uh, I think you could start fishing at midnight. And uh, I think about three o'clock in the morning, they hooked him, and uh, they got him up to the boat and, and uh, tied him off alongside the boat and uh, brought him in and uh, hung him up. And uh, I've got a picture of him. He's a thirteen-foot tiger. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and he was right out there where we wait. That's a wade fisherman's nightmare. You know, the biggest hammerhead I've ever seen, you know, in the wild like that while I was wading was that was on the uh, hump. Years ago, Blaine and I were fishing a tournament down there. He swam right between us. Boy, it'll take oh, your breath God. away. Looked like a submarine coming at you. Yeah. We didn't stick I around. Saw big, I saw a big one like that in the surf. And, uh, man, I I was, went back to get the boat and uh, got in the boat and, and was idling out. I was going to pick my customers up, and I saw a mud streak. And uh, it was a big old hammerhead, about a fifteen footer, big greater hammerhead. Lord have mercy. And he was he was rubbing his belly on the second bar, you know, looking for stingrays is what he was doing. Yeah, and, they uh, like him stingrays, man. Oh, they do. And uh, he was rubbing his belly on that bar, goodness. and I just idled past him and looked at him. I went, "Oh my goodness, look at this!" And he was headed back towards where my customers were so i just kind of speeded up and yeah i went on good. And pick them up. <laughs> i went over to pick them up and i idled over you know and i kicked it out of gear and i said guys uh if i were y'all i'd go ahead and get on this boat because there's a there's a uh a during the hammerhead coming this way that's almost as big as this boat <laughs> y'all better climb on boy yeah. they don't waste any time Heck and no. they got on the boat they, they wanted to see him so i idled back over there boy and i mean that big old tall dorsal fan on that greater hammerhead is impressive. You know it is. I got a big old spike fin on top, buddy. That's a good one. They do, they do. There's there's yeah. no mistaking it. Man. There's no mistaking a hammerhead's dorsal, none whatsoever. That, Let me knock this break it. out, Lynn. I'll be right back, buddy. All righty. Well, well, I need to take a moment to tell everybody about Danco Sports Incorporated. They're an industry-leading manufacturer of pliers, knives, and accessories for anglers worldwide. You know, Danco's committed to providing affordable, high-quality products to the fishing community with over 400 plier and knife options to choose from. Check out their Premio pliers. These are the ones that I use. They have a nice leather sheath. They come in, and uh, they have outstanding quality and performance. No inshore or offshore boat should be without a couple of pair of these. I have a pair on my wading belt that they just hold up super. They have a cobalt cutter. It's sharp even for cutting braided line, and no boat should be without Danco fillet knives that come in a variety of sizes. With a German stainless steel blade and Danco fillet knives, are, in my opinion, are better than the Bubba blade at half the price, and Danco knives have a dual-molded grip for superior control while you're filleting your catch and a DuPont Teflon-coated blade. That's Danco Sports Incorporated. Do it with Danco. Lazy yellow moon coming up tonight, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing and lightning bugs are floating on the breeze. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right. 522 here in the Bayou City. All right, Lynn, we're back. All right, man. Um, I, I tell you I what. a listener text me a picture of a really nice 12-point deer, 12-point buck, man. Beautiful. Beautiful oh, deer. Oh, man. Yep. Well, I tell you, I, uh, I don't know. They'd never seen that deer on their place either. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Uh, I had a real nice 10-point. Uh, probably a seven-year-old, seven or eight-year-old buck. Uh, I was had this one blind. We got this one blind sitting right on the edge of a pond, and um, 
it was 13 degrees down there in George West one day, oh. 13. And that, of course, that pond was frozen over. And uh, this this big, big old buck, he was wide, had <clears throat> nice wide rack. <clears throat> and uh, that buck walked all the way around that pond, walked right in front of the stand. He was trying to break the ice so he could get a drink. <laughs> and he, he literally <laughs> walked right in front of the blind. And he, he would step in, step in that ice and, and slipping and sliding on that ice until he finally broke through and got him a drink. Man. But uh, that was funny to watch it. But he uh, he finally broke through, got him a drink of water. But, uh, boy, it was cold with it. But that Mr. Buddy sure felt good in that stand, I'll tell you that. I promise you that, bud. That's oh, without that was, a doubt. That was, that was brutal cold. Man. I got another text from a listener here. I don't know where this one came from. This is pretty funny. He said, he said we were so poor when I was a little boy, and uh, my mama didn't have anything to cook. She would just read the recipe to us. And one of my brothers was hard of hearing. He almost starved to death. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's a good one. That is. That is good. <laughs> that's pretty uh, good. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember the days, though, with the heaters, you know, we were talking about the other day, but the coffee can with a roll of toilet paper in it. Yes, remember that? alcohol, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we used to use that in the, in the uh, duck blinds, you know. That's what we used to in duck blinds. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was that was the way to heat them coffee up. coffee can. Yes, sir. That's it. You, you better know it. Yeah, we did that for years and years. <clears throat> that was our Mr. Buddy. Growing up, that saved us. We're coming a long way with technology in all aspects. Boy, I'm telling you, man. Most of the good, but some for the negative. You know, just, man, when is it going to stop? Oh, man. Uh, uh. Yeah, it was funny. I uh, I dropped this hunter off and, and the blind, and it was uh, I put that Mr. Buddy in the stand, and I went and parked the truck, and I got back to uh, to the stand. He already had that Mr. Buddy going, boy. That stand was nice and warm. Yeah, man. <laughs> I said, boy, didn't take you long to get it going. He said, oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, we went through quite a few bottles of propane last week. I'll guarantee you. It was, uh, it was well worth it, though. I took a bunch of them with me. Yeah, every yeah, winter are. I've got a, a section on my porch that's covered, but uh, I'll uh, cover it in. I'll just throw some OSB up and screw it in, you know, for the dogs and the plants to get out of the weather. And I'll uh, uh, I'll just take an old fish cooker and just turn turn it on and leave it on low, you know, to keep it warm in there for the plants and the and the dogs. And uh, they weather right on through it. There's all the comforts of home. Oh, yeah. Oh, you better know it. Well, my yellow, yeah, you know, the one that Crocker <laughs> gave me, she stays in the house with me. She's a house mouse, but that chocolate, just they just smell so bad. You can give them dogs a bath, and they reek <laughs> after that. They just they just have that smell to them, kind of like a Chesapeake does. Oh, my goodness. I had a Chesapeake years and years ago. Boy, he was, he was a brute. Man, Boy, they get rapid about the end of the hunting season. I can't even hardly stand to to touch them. <laughs> I had a oh, customer boy. one morning sitting in the blind next to me and set a pitch, and he goes, "Boy, that dog's ripe." I said, "Oh, you just wait till the end of the season. You think that's bad?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that dog just just sits there and grins at you. Boy, he just loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And oh, in cold weather, doesn't even affect those dogs. They're icebreakers, no. man. Well, the, they, they, they were bred for up north. They're, well, they're yeah. bred for up north. Got that old curly hair on their back, and you pour water on oh, it, yeah. and it just runs off like a dog's, you know, a duck's back. Oh, yeah. Uh, back in 83, when we had this hard freeze here, uh, a friend of mine and I, we, we were hunting down here, and we would swap off dogs. Uh, we'd hunt his dog one day, and then my dog the next, and and I mean, it was brutal on them, you know, and, and, uh, the dog would go out and retrieve duck and come back and give you the duck. And then he, he'd, he'd get in front of the blind and he would rub up and down the blind, rubbing that, getting that water off of them. 
you know, get the ice off of them. Right. Because it was just so cold. They go up and down in front of the blind, rubbing on the blind. Oh. Get get that water off of them. It was it was cold, man. It was cold. But um, I had a little stand in front of my blind for the dog, and boy, my dog loved it. He'd jump up on that stand, get out of the water, you know. Boy, he loved well, that little you stand. Ask the average. You ask the average Joe the coldest they ever been, and it's always uh, probably ninety percent of them will say it's duck hunting. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Boy, I've had some miserable duck hunts, especially oh, when you we got all to run have. by boat and you look down, you got a snot sickle hanging about six inches out of each <laughs> nostril and just uh, just frozen. Look like a wall. Oh. oh, yeah. Well, when uh, in 83, a friend of mine and I were running across the bay, and uh, he was running the airboat, and I was holding the Q-beam, and, and um, all of a sudden, he just let off the gas, and we both just stopped and kind of looked at each other like, good grief. It looked like the north wind had blown the water out of the bay. But what it was, it was ice 300 yards oh. out into the bay. And uh, I'd, I'd never seen that, ever. And, uh, well, it was six degrees down here. Oh, Lord. And the airboat would jump up on the ice and run on the ice and then break through. And, uh, gosh, I mean, I had never seen that. It was incredible. And when we ran back in there where my blind was, uh, you'd break the ice up with the airboat, and the ducks were just, they were falling in and landing, you know, 30 feet from us. I mean, it was incredible because they didn't have anywhere else to, to land. There was no open water. Oh, it was it was insane. You know, we had pintails, widgeons, and teal landing all around us. And uh, it, was, it was crazy. And that buddy of mine said, man, he said, let's don't shoot anything but pintail drakes i said okay sounds good to me <laughs> you know and uh well i think we had back then you could kill you could kill 10 a piece and, and uh gosh, yeah, that's we when had, we had the point system they were 10 point uh -huh. ducks back then that's right so we had we had 20 pintail drakes in about 30 minutes oh that was some beautiful hunting man there's nothing yeah, like about 100 pintails circling over you trying to come in you know whistling like crazy there's just nothing like it hey if i don't get your blood pressure up and get you to trembling a little bit before you call the shot you, you don't have oh. a pulse that's exactly right Briggs coming in the decoys that's nasty man <laughs> and then it, and it doesn't get you won't see it that. any more prevalent than that than in port o'connor i mean that's just pentail capital right there just crazy it is it is oh howdy there was nothing like that yeah, 83 had to be the, the biggest pintail year of the year I've ever seen. Yeah. We used to do really good down at Sabine Pass when I was growing up. A lot of pintails and a lot of widgeons. You know, that was uh, that was really good down there, too. Way back in that marsh, the Sea Rim Marsh, the Sabine Pass, I'd go way back in there. There wouldn't be anybody else in there. You know, we'd right. walk way back in that salt marsh. And... Uh, Gosh, mighty! I had a real good blind, and and uh, we'd be the only ones back in there. And it was it was murder. <laughs> it really was. Man, oh man, we used to do good. I can still remember those days. Oh boy, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up. My dad was a big duck hunter. He and his his buddy were big duck hunters. And they, uh, well, my dad was. Uh, he worked for DuPont in Orange, and they had a hunting club, and he was president of the hunting club. And then um, they leased a they leased a big reservoir in Winnie, and it was loaded with geese. And we'd go down there and hunt those geese. And uh, on the last uh, the last weekend of the season, they'd go down there and we'd get along the levee, and then they'd get them up and they they'd. Uh, come off the roost they'd get them up off the roost and they'd come over those levees and oh my goodness you you could scream at somebody 10 feet from you and they couldn't hear you <laughs> they so just loud. couldn't hear you yeah sound like a big oh. party going on oh man make the hair on the back of your neck stand up it's so loud you know that's nothing like that i guarantee you my dad wasn't a duck hunter not uh well, I had a few family members that were, but uh, I got introduced to duck hunting when I was about, 
I don't know, nine or ten years old kid that moved here from Louisiana, you know, got me into it. We went to school together, and his dad would take us. Man, it uh, got in my blood. Oh, it does. It really does. But, you know, they did it right, and they had good property, and they knew how to throw a spread and put decoys out and all that. and. Mm-hmm. good quality blinds brushed up properly and you know a lot of people they don't realize how far that goes when you you know when you're setting up a hole you got to set it up right that's right uh, makes for some good shoots if you set it up right that's right when they first came out with the uh, robo ducks you know when they I've, I've heard about them and i saw it on a magazine and i ordered one and uh so I told this buddy of mine here in Port O'Connor, I said, man, we got to go try this out. This this right. is going to be unreal. We went out and uh, <clears throat> went out to my blind and set this thing out, set up a good spread, big opening in the middle. And I put that robo duck up, turned that thing on. And, and for the first hour, I think we never fired a shot. We just sat there and watched it. And the, the pintails would just come over in huge flights and just fall in there on us, just fall yeah. in there to us. And it was amazing. I mean, we just were in awe. And there were airboats coming by us and turning around and coming back to see what in the world is that, <laughs> you know? Yep. They were trying to figure out, what is that? And uh, we just sat there. We couldn't believe how well it worked. And now the ducks are all getting used to them, you know? Yeah, they're they're not as uh, responsive to them as they were back when they first come out. I'll tell you that. Probably the best is the Mojo uh, Dove decoys. Oh, yeah. That works. In South Texas, you put four or five, six of those out, and you can sit on a tailgate of the truck and drink beer, and they, you can't beat the doves off of you. I know. <laughs> they, I know. They, just, they decoy in like ducks, man. Pretty cool. They do. It is. I love it. Yeah, they work real good. And uh, Well, you get a lot of young doves, too. You know, northern yeah. doves coming down. And, right. Um, it's like down here, we uh, we used to go over on the island all the time and hunt over there. And, and uh, about the third norther, you get the third norther come down, and those big northern doves come down. Oh my goodness, it was really good. And uh, you know, I've I've killed three three doves that were banded, and uh, and I, I killed a, I killed one morning dove banded, but and then two white wings, but. Uh, but that northern the morning dove that was banded, it was banded in North Dakota. Yeah, that's amazing how far those they fly. Well, they're a migratory game bird. That's uh Absolutely. Let me knock Absolutely. this break out, Lynn. I'll come back and we'll talk about them dove birds. All right. That's all, all we're right. gonna end this weekend. Well, I need to take a moment to tell everybody about Boyd's One Stop. They're the home of the supercharged, super slimy powerhouse croakers located right at the base of the Texas City Dyke at two two seven Dyke Road. And if you're looking for quality live bait for your next fishing trip, look no farther than boards from their tanks to your live well. That bait's as good as it can possibly be, and there's no better way to live your bait than with their oxygen response system. They have them on display at the store, all their different size bottles, plus their regulators, diffusers. They refill your bottles there at the store. If you need more info, call Jason Cogburn at 281-701-8107. And when you're by the store, check out all their wild-caught guff shrimp. No farm raised at Boyd's. And uh, if you're looking for the big U10s, 912s, 1518s, what have you, they always have them. Great price, great availability. And check out their Cajun Grill next door. Call them at 409-945-4001 or go to boydsonestop.com. And when you do, please tell them Captain Mickey sent you. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right. 540 here in the Bayou City. All right, Lynn, we're back. Yes, sir. And I'm not going to Folsom Prison. (laughs) I don't (laughs) like being locked up. No, 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 no. This weather and cabin fever's about got me as restless as they come. Well, it's going to get worse. Yeah, this, this week, uh, upcoming week, it's supposed to be a washout, man. That's what I hear. 
Yeah. It's supposed to rain every day this week, isn't it? Just about. I think <laughs> Tomorrow's so. the big event. You know, they claim we're going to get most of the rain tomorrow. Really? Heavy rain. Oh, boy. Isn't that special? That's what they're saying. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pacific moisture oh, yeah. coming up the coast, you know, warm up and rain. Yeah. Man, oh, man. But at least it's not going to be cold. Just well, wet. Yeah. Well, that kind of cuts down on, on where I'm going to hunt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, where I can get that. to. <laughs> That's right. Where I can get to get back. Yeah. You can see it yeah. building up down there on the tip of the coast down by South Padre and Matamoros, all that area. It is drifting yeah. out in the Gulf, I guess. The direction it's mm. moving east right now, and uh, yeah, but apparently it's going to grow into something and then come inland. That's never pretty. Be nice, but oh, get out there and went over and right rained in Louisiana, they could use it over there for the crawfish crop. Yeah, oh, I got stuck one one day this year. Just was going over to one of my favorite blinds, and it's kind of kind of a low area, but uh, I didn't realize just how low it was, <laughs> you know. And uh, I got in there, and, and uh, this old Suburban, the four-wheel drive doesn't work on it anymore. And, and uh, I got in there, and, you know, the dust the dust level is about six inches thick. Right. And, um, man, it, it was just, it was ugly. And uh, I tried to back out of there and <laughs> forward and back, forward and back, and uh, it was just worthless. So I called the ranch manager. I said, why don't you come over here and bring a shovel? <laughs> and uh, once I shoveled that, a top layer of dust out there, you know, mud, and down to the hard layer, I was able to get out of there. But, uh, you know, that, yeah, that dust, that, you know, it just builds up like a, a talcum powder sand, you know. And yeah. It's so loose. Yeah. And, I mean, you can even get stuck when it's dry. If you don't watch what you're doing, you got to have four-wheel drive. But, man, when, it, when you get all that rain, it's like you're pushing a little tidal wave of uh, mud in front of you as you're moving down a sendera. It's kind of crazy. Oh, looking. yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's nerve-wracking. Cause you're, it is. Naturally, when that happens, you're 8 or 10 miles from the ranch house. And, uh, mm-hmm. oh, we've seen some daisy chains in the days down there. <laughs> Everybody hooked oh, each other yeah. and buried, man. Tractors, all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and I started <laughs> to take my truck that morning because I knew – you know, it was kind of wet in this area where I was going to go. I started right. taking my truck because it's four wheel driving, and uh, but I didn't. I kicked myself for not doing it. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I may I may not. I, I don't guess I'll be going to that stand this week. But uh, I know that some does get the rain be, like they say. You know, it I know just it depends. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Hope they're wrong. Not going to happen. But uh, now those old does, man, they're they're running ragged. Uh, I, I felt so sorry for one doe this week, uh, this last week. <laughs> oh my goodness, she uh, and she was a young doe, and boy, these bucks were chasing her like crazy. And uh, they ran her back in the brush, and they were back in there for a while. And pretty soon, here she came out running out, and, and uh, she had her ears laid down, and uh, oh, she looked pitiful, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, she kind of rested and ate a little corn a little bit. And next thing you knew, boy, here they were chasing her again. You know, oh, my goodness, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, she just looked pitiful. <laughs> I felt, felt sorry for her. Oh, my Was God. her hair all she, ruffled up down her sides and her back where they oh, been Oh, yeah. Yeah, just oh, yeah. beat up. No, she was beat up. You know, they had, they had her back in that brush, and, oh, they were working her over and uh, I said, oh, my goodness, I feel sorry for her. And she was a young doe, too. Yeah. She was pretty young. But, uh, yeah. And I was telling telling somebody about her uh, a couple of nights ago, and they said, well, you didn't shoot her, did you? I said, no, 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 we didn't shoot her. We, we let her go. She <laughs> was know, probably she, hoping you would. <laughs> yeah, she, she probably Put would. me out of my misery. Take me, take me. These guys yeah. are killing me. You know, people don't realize how much body weight those does lose, too. Oh, yeah. I know it. Oh, she wasn't. She she had lost a bunch of weight. You can see her ribs. Yeah. Yeah, she. All all they're doing is just running her, boy. She. And she was back and forth, back and forth across that Sendera. Oh, my goodness. And there were like two or three bucks chasing her, you know. 
they were all over crazy but um but i saw in the in the process i saw like two or three cold bucks that needed to be taken you know right but we're getting down to the point where we don't have many buck tags left you know just a handful of buck tags left right we got we got to take care of those quick now how long does that run you have how long do you end of february end of february on the buck tags Uh yeah 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 on mld you know we can we can hunt for the end of february but but uh yeah some of those bucks uh are you know need to be taken but uh, we need to go ahead and take them get them out of there but you should have taken them earlier you know a lot of them but some of these hunters they don't want to shoot those calls you know right you you beg them boy i was begging this one guy i was going come on man shoot that deer and he goes no no i want to hold off i went come on man we need to take that deer I almost said, you know, hand me the rifle, I'll shoot him. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But they don't want to. They don't want to shoot. They're afraid that the buck of a lifetime will step out right behind him. You know. Yeah, that's the deal. I mean, it's. Uh, I'd probably be the same way too. Sure. Absolutely. And there's good possibility of that. I never forget one time I, down in South Texas. I, uh, I was on a company lease and. Uh, we had a, uh, I was working for an engineering company and they, uh, we drew names and, and I got drawn to be able to go down and hunt. And they said, just, you know, we, we could kill a doe and a buck. And, and, um, so we narrowed down the time for us to go and, and, uh, and we were going to be leaving. And I said, well, I better go ahead and just take a, take a call buck or something. And there was a spike, tall horn spike. And, and uh, I walked up on him, and I, he was grazing, and I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and shoot that tall horn spike. And I knelt down and against a tree. I was leaning against a tree, and and uh, I figured, well, I'll just shoot that spike in the neck. And I shot that spike, and I mean, right behind him in the brush, it looked like a 10 or a 12-point jumped up and ran off. I mean, big old bug. So you never know. I mean, they're you, you know, they're there. You just don't. They're like ghosts, man, and then all of a sudden they just appear. Oh yeah, they're like ghosts. We, um, I was looking at, uh, we were looking at several bucks the other day. There were six bucks uh, at this one feeder, no does, just bucks. And uh, I looked over to my right, and there was a buck laying down. He was an eight point, and he had big old tall horns, and he was just laying down about fifty yards from the feeder. Just laying there, kind of chewing his cud, you know. Just kind of laying there. And, uh, of course, they lay there with their back to the wind. So they can smell anything coming up behind them. And uh, and they're looking downwind. But uh, he was a good one, boy. He had he had pretty good heavy horns. And, and, um, and then, you know, you look around, you look back, and he's gone. You never yeah. saw him get up or anything. I had a but, listener um, just text me. He wanted to know. He said, "Does Lynn have any more cull hunts left?" No, I don't. Because, like I said, they, uh, I think they're narrowed down to um, a handful of tags on the bucks, and I think, I think he pretty much got those promised. But uh, right, you know, we had. I think we had to take. You know, for the end of the season, I think they ended up with about probably 70 75 bucks and same same with the does you know right and uh you know we can start we can start hunting in october and uh till the end of february that's a long time but you think that's a long time but that's a lot of uh gutting and gilling you know you uh, you, you get pretty tired of cleaning deer i guarantee you that <laughs> promise you <laughs> I don't like cleaning them anymore. That's uh, man, a lot of work. Of course, we don't we don't field dress them anymore. You know, nobody does. I mean, we don't we don't field dress them. We bring them back to the lodge and hang them yeah. up, but we don't we don't field dress them. And uh, but it doesn't take doesn't take fifteen minutes to clean one anymore. But it's Blaine, just Blaine used to have a guy there at his ranch, old Derek. I'd never seen anybody clean a deer that I've seen videos of it, you know, guys that mm-hmm. really just get after it. And I'm talking from time you hang it up 
and uh, get the knife out, and I mean that deer is quartered up and in the cooler in five minutes. Mm-hmm. One hair on that meat, just perfect. Right. That's getting it. Well, that's what we do. You know, we we quarter them up and they're in the cooler. You know, that's exactly what we do. The way Skin I them do out, it. quarter them up. That's it. Skin them down, quarter them up, backstrap them, tenderloin them, get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, get the tenders out. We had we had a guy that uh, on the ranch next to us. It was funny. He said for years and years he was on a deer lease, and they, they he'd cut the tenders out, tenderloins out, and he had the guys on a on the lease convinced that those tenderloins were poison glands. That's what my and uncle said, Joe used to tell all them them pilgrims he'd take hunting up there around Hondo. He said, "Yeah." He said, "What's wrong with that meat there?" He said, those are spoil glands. <laughs> you yeah, got to get them out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are poison glands, man. Yeah. Here, put them in this bag and, and throw them in that cooler, and I'll take them off the ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get them off the ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. Oh, well, I've seen a lot of stuff over the years hunting and fishing. A lot of <laughs> things people do. Pretty funny. Pretty oh, funny. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you see it all, boy. <laughs> I guarantee you. Yeah. I uh, I killed my first deer. It was it was a spike, you know, a young spike. And uh, I saw one the other day that had horns just about like the one I, I first killed. I said, mm-hmm. I told my customer, I said, see that little old spike? I said, that was about the size of the first one I ever shot when I was real young. I was so proud of that deer. <laughs> yeah. I was proud as punch, you know. But, yeah, um, it's a it's a good sport. It's oh yeah, yeah. You know, wonder how, many, wonder how many people in the state of Texas deer hunt. Well, I mean, there's other oh. states that there's more hunters per capita than here. You know, they take their deer hunting serious. Oh, I tell you, I, I saw something, some report on it. I mean, it's incredible the number of yeah. deer hunters. Uh, it is. But you know, I've hunted all over. I've hunted Idaho and Colorado, New Mexico, and and uh, there's no place like Texas. There really isn't. We have more game than any place I've ever hunted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just, you get back here, you see so much game. You see so many deer. And um, you go other places and you go, oh, my goodness, they're just, they just hardly have anything compared right. to here. It's it's incredible. Now, you know, I hunted, uh, I hunted Idaho and New Mexico and all that. They've got They've got some game, but nothing like here. No way. And uh, yeah, look at all the property we have out west. It's just just an oh, abundance yeah. of game with elk, mule deer, white tail. I mean everything. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I um, I hunted elk, uh, Colorado for like six or eight years, about eight years, and uh, I never killed one. I uh, I saw a lot of them. I just never saw one I wanted to drop the hammer on. You know, I, right. I said, if I'm going to kill one, I want to make sure it's a real good one, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I never really saw one I wanted to shoot. But uh, uh, but I saw some pretty decent ones. I just never really saw the one I wanted, you know. Right. But, um, and I had some real close to me. <laughs> I had some almost run over me one day. But uh, in the snow. But uh, I, I was in uh, New Mexico one time between uh, Chama, right out of Chama. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, the snow was deep, man. The snow was belly deep on the horses. And uh, I was sitting on the side of a mountain looking across this this meadow on on the other side of this mountain. I was looking at 18 elk, and there were four bulls. And uh, I was trying to see if there was a a good-sized legal bull in the herd. And uh, a buddy of mine was up to my left he was up on the side of the hill and i i heard him shoot and uh i looked over and uh i could see him sitting up there with that fluorescent vest on and when i looked back at that those elk on in front of me uh they were still just kind of grazing on the side of that mountain and uh i looked back and i didn't see him and i thought well that must have been him that shot so I got up and I was I was trying to get a better better view, and I heard this rumbling noise. I looked up, and here came 
a whole herd of elk running right at me. <laughs> and they ran up within probably 30 or 35 feet of me. I mean, that close. And uh, I, I stood up in that snow and had my rifle up in case there was a good bull in that herd. And uh, there was a couple of bulls, but they were small. And uh, they had their tongues hanging out, and they, they were breathing so hard. And uh, I was looking over my scope at them, and I just looked over my scope, and I went, boo, and their eyes got real big. <laughs> and, boy, they took off. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But uh, my buddy had shot the, the head bull. Yeah. that was pushing the herd. He was pushing that herd. And uh, it was a, a five by six. And uh, so I went up. I had my horse tied up in the in the dark timber up behind me, and I went and got him. And I rode down there to him. And he had just gotten down to his, his elk, and I, I got down there to him and rode up there to him. And he, he said, man, I'm glad to see you. He said, I think this is more than a one-man job. Yeah, said, yes, that is. is. That's uh that's a big animal, man, and it's uh, oh, it is. And just think how big a moose is. That's like shooting a horse, man. They're oh, it is. Uh, yeah, moose are big. I, well, I, I gotta never... go, Lynn. I'm out of time, buddy. Well, if somebody oh, wants man. to call you about hunting or fishing, how they get a hold of you, my friend? Yes, sir. They can get me at three six one nine three five six eight three three. All right. Lynn, good talking to you. Have a good Sunday, and I uh, hope you right. don't have such a wet week at the least. Oh, man. Uh, well, we're going to be on a on a door, uh, dough harvest this week. So, there you uh, go. I think we'll get them. We'll get them. Pile them up. All right, brother. All right, man. See you. All right. It's time for our top of the hour break in the National Anthem. You're listening to the Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 